Welcome to Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon, the show where we sit down with theatre practitioners and get a backstage look at the creative process. On today's episode, we sit down with Sydney-based creative Alex Robson. Alex is the lead creative behind Fingerless Theatre and director, producer, actor and writer for their upcoming season of The Government Inspector. We'll be talking about the show, his experiences in Sydney and the challenges of playing these multiple roles at once. But that's enough from me. Let's get on with the show and peep behind the curtain. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon. My name's Nick, I'm your host, and today I'm sitting down with Alex Robson. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I am a graduate of the University of New England, grew up in Tamworth, moved to Armidale for my studies, loved it so much, loved the theatre scene there in Armidale that I stuck around for nine years. I created a theatre company, the Felt Tip Theatre Company, did a lot of work, with yourself included, and then I decided to give London a go for a little bit, ran out of money, went to Sydney continued to run out of money (laughs) and here we are still in Sydney still very poor a running theme isn't it starving artist it is a cliche because it is accurate now you're here today as the director of Fingerless Theatre's The Government Inspector for those unfamiliar with the show what is it all about The Government Inspector by Nikolai Gogol was written in 1837 during probably the height of the Tsarist Russian Empire it was a time of great political corruption in that sense in the level of politics across the world over, things have not really changed. Gogol, whilst technically Russian, was of Ukrainian ethnicity. He could write in Ukrainian. His family spoke Ukrainian at home for a while. So why the play is technically part of Russian literature, it's not unreasonable to say that it has a strong Ukrainian influence. So it's an immediate success in Russia when it premiered. The Tsar was there at the premiere in St. Petersburg and said it was absolutely bang on, exactly what it was like, and he laughed it off. But he saw it as more being about local corrupt governments rather than the federal government, so he could overlook it in that sense. Gogol would go on to write short stories, poems, essays, but this is seen by many as his masterpiece. And it's still one of the most widely performed plays in the world today. It's voted as one of the top 15 plays of world literature of all time because of its relevance, its satire, it's funny, it's sharp, and it's just as relevant all these years on as it was back then. So just for those that are completely blind to the show, what genre of theatre would you suggest it is? (laughs) Depending on the style it's performed, it's really closer to farce than it is to satire. It is eschewing corrupt government officials in a regional town. It's pre-Chekhov, so it's pre-realism, pre-naturalism, but it's pre-absurdism, pre-surrealism. And yet in that we see all of those things that are to come. So this incredibly biting satire that blurs and eschews the sort of way that we often perceive Russian theatre, very, very Chekhov, very Stanislavsky, and it's wild and dangerous and almost closer to the melodrama and vaudeville, which were the staples of European drama at the time. What prompted the choice to stage this classic play? A lot of it has to do with Armadale. As you know from personal experience, Nick, now that I'm in Sydney, I still look to do productions in Armadale. And I was thinking, what's a show that I could do there, maybe with some Sydney-based artists and some local ones? And the government inspector has been on my radar for a very long time. A million years ago, when I was in high school, I was invited when I was only in year eight to go on a year nine 
drama excursion. So I was very lucky, my drama teacher, to be Miss Wills at Oxley High School in Tamworth. We went on a very exciting drama excursion to Armadale High, where I saw a student production of The Government Inspector there, I believe... It was directed by Penny McHugh. And if that was the case, almost certainly written by the late, great Andrew McHugh. And I was just absolutely astounded at the words, at the physical comedy. And I think probably the the seed then was planted again, literally a million years ago to do this work, to do it in Armadale and ideally with Armadale people. So a few years ago, looking around for a project to write and Armadale, as I'm sure you and your listener will know, have been fraught with recent years of having issues with their council, votes of no confidence, sacking administrators, letters to the editor, state members of parliament perhaps getting into a bit of trouble, local businessmen perhaps being slightly shonky. So Armadale was absolutely perfect, being a country city that's cultured, but perhaps has some political and business operatives that aren't as squeaky clean as perhaps one might like. This play was perfect. And at the time I started writing this play, there was the sport rorts, Pork Barilaro, um, ScoMo in Hawaii. It was just so incredibly pertinent. This play from the early 19th century was like, it, it was for today. Sadly, it couldn't get up when I wanted to at the time. A little thing called COVID came along that delayed things. I was like, oh, maybe that's not perfect. And then obviously the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's like, yeah, add another level of complexity and taste to it. But then in the week that I decided, like, you know what, I'm just, I'm going to do it. Play is too perfect. If I don't do it, someone else will. Then that was the week that they announced Gladys Berejiklian was accused of almost criminal levels of corruption herself. But just never ends how pertinent this play is for now, <laughs> both in Sydney and for Armadale and indeed the world. And if this show comes together, maybe I'll think about taking it to Armadale. If the town now after this podcast doesn't like lynch me, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. By now, you firmly set yourself and Fingerless Theatre in the Sydney Fringe Theatre scene. What benefits have you found working amongst the noise of Sydney? Oh, there are pros and there are cons. Mm. You say fringe, I definitely feel like I'm still in the fringes. Sydney is very clicky. There are a lot of closed doors and not being from Sydney, most people in Sydney have never heard of Armadale. They think you're just mispronouncing Annandale. So it's really tough to get in as any form of creative. But I've started doing work with Fingerless Theatre, my main company since 2018. We've been doing at least one show a year. Obviously the COVID year slowed those things down, but we're picking up speed again. I don't just work with my own company. I'm I'm up for hire. I'll I'll do anything for money. Sometimes (laughs) even not money, honestly. So this show ends in December and then I'll immediately go into rehearsals for a production I'm doing as part of Mardi Gras with New Theatre, which revels in the very cheeky title of homos or everyone in America. So that'll be lots of fun as well. That's, again, a very fringy vibe. But I would love to be mainstream, Nick. I would sell out in a heartbeat. Just let me do it. But... Until then, the fringes I remain. Are there any benefits in terms of the casting audition process? Anything like that? Oh, look, yeah, there's a wealth of talent. There are several acting schools here, let alone designing colleges, etc., etc., that pump out scores of hungry graduates every year. So there's a melting pot of talent. But that also, though, lends itself to a lot of competition because there are only so many spaces, there are only so many opportunities. Mm. And I feel like you're always kind of looking over your shoulder at the next generation, like coming up at you, like, no, 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 I haven't had my chance yet. Let me get in the room first. Mm. So that can be quite challenging. I had a relatively comfortable life making theatre in Armadale, but if I wanted to go the next step and keep taking steps with my career, I had to be in Sydney or Melbourne or indeed 
anywhere else. This is just kind of where you have to be. There are a lot of elements of life in Sydney that I do not like, like rent and black mould, but this is just where so much of the work gets done in this country. (laughs) This is why I'm here. You've got to challenge yourself. Now, speaking of Armadale, before moving to Sydney, you were the lead creative for Armadale's Felt Tip Theatre Company. Do you believe this start in Armadale enhanced your work in Sydney at all? Massively. I certainly wouldn't be where I am today if not for Armadale, and I mean that in a very positive sense. What astounded me when I first moved here, because I did the Bachelor of Theatre Studies as it was at the time and then did honours and then because I was insane I started a Master of Applied Theatre Studies but I woke up to myself after a little bit. Obviously it's, it's, a, it's a university and it's a bachelor's degree but then I sort of assumed that even NIDA the acting course is still a bachelor's degree and then other institutions it's still bachelor's. I kind of assumed that they would have the same degree of academic rigour so especially being a, a classicist or neoclassicist as you know again from personal experience I love my Shakespeare and in that sense Gogol's government inspector is not really a far leap from it. There are just so many actors that have no real framework, no ideas of history, actor training, directors, different methodologies. Kind of fair, they were taught to be an actor and so they're they're acting. But as soon as you do something that's not straight up naturalism, if it's not home and away, then they're almost completely adrift. And that was something really that shocked me, especially doing Shakespeare's having to like just go back to 101, right? This is what verse is. Um, oh, okay, well, let's go. Right. This is who Queen Elizabeth is. <laughs> yeah, so that was that was really peculiar. One of my regrets moving to Sydney that hey, if I'd had my time again, what I would have done is gone straight into an acting school, any acting school. Not so much necessarily for the training, though we could always train, we should always keep learning, just to make those connections. Mm. As I alluded to earlier, there's so many closed doors here. There are very few auditions There are no applications to get a gig as a director. It's all entirely who you know. So Armadale was great as an nursery for creating work, developing an aesthetic, writing, directing, honing my craft. That was all incredible, perfect. I wouldn't trade that. But then coming in, having all of that experience, rather frustratingly counted for almost nothing because no one knew who I was. So I was starting again, but I was just that little bit older. So that's been really, really tough. Armadale is a great place for creatives of all stripes. But sometimes the world at large doesn't care how much work you've put in or how committed or passionate you are. If you don't know the right people, it's not enough. So I've aggressively spent the last five years haunting all of the theatre foyers in Sydney going, right, who's that? Who's this person? (laughs) Give me that wine. Give me that canapé. Let me into the room. Damn it. And I I know where the rooms are now. Mm -hmm. I know the people in the room. Now I've just got to bully them into letting me in. And doors are starting to open, but like all things, it does take time. Looking back on your past credits, you tend to both direct and perform in most shows you produce. How do you believe this affects the creative process? It is a challenge. Mm. It is a challenge I don't necessarily recommend, as as hypocritical as that (laughs) is. It wasn't always meant to be like this. It was just the challenge in Armadale was just finding enough male actors. Mm. And my first directing gig was Rent at the Old Page College Musical Society, which was an incredible learning experience. We had an actor pull out, so I had to step in. So from my very first foray into the realm of directing, I was already wearing two hats and just old habits die really, really hard. I love both. I am scattered enough that I can kind of have my mind in several places all at once. However, when crunch time comes, 
in those final critical moments, you do have to be one or the other. But in terms of my work here in Sydney at the moment, I'm developing a group of colleagues, collaborators, a company in that sense of trust as artists around me. So mm-hmm. I will have assistant directors and, and other artists are like, when I'm up on stage, did that work? Yep, good, great. And vice versa. So that's really handy. It is really challenging. And it can be really disappointing. As an actor, we all have doubts. Oh, is what I'm doing right? Oh, I don't know if that landed just quite right. If you're the director as well as the actor, you can't comfort yourself. Go, oh, no, I think you did a great job. You can't necessarily give yourself positive notes. You might go, oh, no, you, no you're right. And that was terrible. You shouldn't have done that. You, you should give up and become an accountant. So, yeah, it is fraught with challenges. Added into the mix. And same with Government Inspector. I've also written a thing or, or adapted it. And I'm the producer as well. But then amongst those roles, what would you say is your favourite? The actor, director or writer? Oh, gosh. Directing can be great. It can also be quite frustrating. It can be very lonely at times as well. Producing's awful, never be a producer. Writers, they, they're lucky if they get into the room, so they don't count at all. But the actor at the end gets clapped, and that's quite nice. I and mean, even if sometimes, like on closing night, the director might pop up, and the audience is like, who's that guy? What did he do? Go away. So that can be quite odd. Personally, I would far sooner the director's career, people coming to me and giving me jobs and giving me lots of money. That would be very nice. Soon, hopefully. But acting is just such fun. Mm. Um, Moving into this project, The Government Inspector, I'm not either of the lead roles. I am not The Government Inspector. It was just a case of, again, there's this one particular role that was slightly blokier and there just weren't a lot of blokes that auditioned. Uh, And this is not dissimilar to Armadale, in fact, that you've got a lot of young people fresh out of uni, fresh out of acting school that are really keen to try things and they try things and they don't like it or they don't get a chance to try things, or they try some things and they don't get a chance for a long time. Either way, people give up in the industry. I certainly did it at high school, not so much at university, that we know that acting is a hard profession. There's constant rejection. What no one was really able to convey to me is just how crippling the uncertainty. You might be lucky to get five auditions a year. And this is for small, indie, fringy kind of things, let alone anything worthwhile, because the big things, they just don't have auditions. And you get rejections for all of them. Or you get no auditions. Or you get a million auditions and you get get rejected from all of them. And it's just constant just drag and then you start to think well I'm not getting any younger maybe I want to have a family maybe I want to have kids maybe I want to buy a house <laughs> obviously not in Sydney but but somewhere maybe I want to own a car like maybe I want to be able to afford to live somewhere that isn't filled with mold or has a parking space or have a dog or maybe I want to be able to afford to have a holiday all of these things sort of like just weigh up bit by bit and you go, oh, you know what? I don't really want to be an actor that much or pursue it in any sort of sense professionally. And they leave the profession, even at the indie fringe level, there's a dearth, not unlike in Armadale from my personal lived experience. <laughs> there's a massive inverted bell curve where you get to about the age of 25, 26, and then just the population just drops. Mm-hmm. Just like all of those mid to late 20s they've gone off to find work or have careers or have families or have holidays they're not in armadale similarly they're not in the sydney indie theater scene and then they come back so me nick i'm just riding the wave i'm aging into the roles that i want to be playing anyway i was never going to be romeo i was never going to be on home and away as if like maybe old homeless man number two and i'm here for it I, I'm, I'm ready and waiting my beard is bristling in anticipation for playing the curmudgeonly old roles the grizzled prospector the drunk at the bar that's who i am that's where all the fun is. It is. Who wants to be the young teen lover? Who wants to be the ingenue? Ah, no. Eccentric characters, the villains. That's where the action's at. Before we close, do you want to give a quick promo for the show? The Government Inspector by Nikolai Gogol, adapted by yours truly, is playing at Flow Studios, a funky warehouse in Camperdown, 
from the 30th of November to the 9th of December. Tickets are available through the Fingless Theatre website. Beautiful. Thank you for coming and speaking with us. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to Behind the Curtain with Nick Troon, recorded in TuneFM Studios at the University of New England on Anawan Country. To view the latest episodes and TuneFM's other programs, visit tunefm.net or search TuneFM on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Finally, make sure you're following TuneFM on Facebook and Instagram for the latest updates on new episodes. That's it for today's episode. My name's been Nick, and I'll see you next time. <laughs>